0: Do you ever feel like God's trying to show you something in life, but you just don't get it?
1: are an altar of broken stones But you delight in the offering You have the heavens to call your home But you abide in the song we sing Ten thousand eight Bring you praise that will never cease. the hallelujah from here below is still your faith. Remember your sacrifice I will abide in
2: Aloha, Blue Water family, and everyone who's watching. If you didn't watch a sermon last week in the service, I encourage you to do so. Jordan shared a really cool dream he had like 11 years ago, and it informed him now. Like he woke up last week, and that dream came to his heart, and God used it to encourage him and like stoke faith again. So I feel like in the season when we're kind of looking back, it's a natural season to look back, look forward, kind of zoom in, zoom out, and remember the things, the promises, the dreams, the words God's given us that help us in the times when we're maybe flailing a little bit or we're struggling with the season. To remember those things that God has planted, those signposts, those knots in the uh, in the line that you hold on to. Um, so I, I want to read a scripture in Isaiah 43, and it's 19 through 21. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. So would you pray with me? God, we quiet down for a minute and, and I pray that every single person watching that you would settle over them wherever they are. And I pray God that you would impart and give remembrance and call to mind the things that we need for this season, like the bigger picture things that you've promised for us because we know that you're good. We know that you're working. We know that you have plans coming. And Lord, we, just, we pray that you'd breathe encouragement. You give us the reminders. We thank you for what you did for Jordan with that dream 11 years ago that have, has formed Blue Water and kept him on course. Lord, give us those things we need. We thank you that you're such a good father, that you have good things for 2021 we want to see them we want to press into them we want to go for it we don't want to shrink back we love you god we thank you that you're so good bless this new year for each one in christ's name amen hello
3: everyone and welcome uh, happy new year i hope that you guys had a wonderful celebration of the new year so some things coming up announcements for us here at blue water We're going to have a prophecy service sometime in the next couple of weeks, which is an awesome time to hear from God uh, for this next year. You know, the turn of the year, a lot of people traditionally look back over the last year and try to set some new goals for this coming year. Um, kind of evaluate where we're at and where we're going. So giving God a chance to speak into that is huge. Um, And so we're going to have a prophecy service. It's something that would be great to invite other people to. Um, One of the things I love is when you don't know somebody that you're prophesying to, it can be so much more powerful because you know those things must come from God because you don't know them at all. So it's really fun to bring guests to these kind of prophecy services. Um, we also have the prayer line who is very willing and able to prophesy and pray for you if you would like to. Every week on Sunday from 10:30 to 11, we have people standing by who are experienced um, and would just love a chance to speak direction, um, to speak God's love and purpose, um, and pray with you uh, for uh, a bit of time. So if you would like that, uh, contact Julie Olson. And yeah, so we're going to now continue our worship with our tithes and offerings. So um, in this new year, if you would like to commit to giving to the church, uh, you can do so either online or uh, through the mail. But again, if you're just visiting, please uh, don't give us anything. This is is our gift to you, this service. Uh, So keep your checkbooks where they are. And if we could have the kids stand up, we're gonna pray for them as we go into our main service. So kids, go ahead and stand up. Well, Father God, we thank you so much uh, for all the children and all of their hopes um, and expectations for this year. We just bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would be speaking to our kids um, what they can can hope for this year and what good things you have for them. Um, We pray, Lord, that you would be speaking to them and through them to all the adults and their family. Um, And we bless them as we start our service, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Do you ever feel like God's trying to show you something in life, but you just don't get it? You're just not seeing what's there for you to see? I've had several such times in my life, usually they happen right before a major transition uh, for me. Uh, before Sony and I uh, moved back to uh, Hawaii, I had one such time. It was a period of my life when every door had been slammed shut. Um, I had been pursuing an academic vocation. That door got slammed shut in my face. I was a software exec for a while. That got slammed in my face. Um, I had been job hunting for months, and it was going nowhere. Uh, I was rehabbing this uh, house uh, that Sony and I had managed to buy before I lost my software job and just had the thing torn apart and trying to put it back together, feeling low and feeling beset in life. You know, that's a great word, beset. I was beset by tough circumstances and dead ends. And, and I remember thinking day after day, man, what is it I'm not getting here, God? What, what, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to get from me? And I tried some things to help. I went on a long fast. Uh, one a weekend, Sony and I gathered a bunch of old friends at our house and just prayed some things through and talked about potential futures. We were doing our best to try and find a, a way forward, trying to find the right thing to do. But we were beset by circumstances. Uh, and then one afternoon I was uh, tearing apart uh, my kitchen floor And the phone rang. A lot of you know this part of the story. And as soon as the phone rang, I knew who it was. Um, uh, And uh, it was uh, uh, my brother-in-law, Pastor Dan Chun from the island. And God said to me, clear as day when the phone rang, that's Dan. He's calling you to offer you a job in Hawaii. Dan never called me. No idea. Uh, that he was thinking about these things. I picked up the phone. Hello, it's Dan. He offered me a job in Hawaii. And that's how we got back to the island. A little footnote on that story. The way we paid for our trip uh, to Hawaii for the move uh, was that our car got totaled uh, by a 92-year-old Greek man in a parking lot. And the insurance company cut us a check and that paid for our airline tickets. That's how fast and how strangely god can change a life but sometimes you just don't see it right you just don't see it coming even though presumably god does and it's right there in front of you because god is god who sees the big picture i am jordan who sees the little picture and sometimes there is a disconnect so many similar stories in my life wherein I was staring at a wall, but just really couldn't understand the writing on the wall. Couldn't make sense of the signs that were in front of me. And we are in a sermon series out of the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 5 this week, which is the story of the writing on the wall. This is the part of the Bible where that phrase comes from. So let's turn to Scripture. Daniel chapter 5. We're going to read some excerpts from it. You can follow along. We'll put the scripture on the screen. Here's the story. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet. We've been reading about King Nebuchadnezzar. King Belshazzar is the descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, probably his grandson, actually. Um, I'll give you uh, some interesting tidbits about that shortly. Uh, But so a generation has passed. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. It's not what they were for. So this is sort of sacrilegious. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They had lots of pagan gods such as those. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared, and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. They identify the place very carefully. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Well, that would be a very disturbing scene, wouldn't it? These fingers appear in the air and just write on the wall. Skip me down a verse. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. Uh, The word for queen can also mean queen mother. So this might have been uh, Nebuchadnezzar's queen. Someone who had been around. So the queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. Oh, king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, I say appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel is no longer playing an active role in the court of Belshazzar, but the queen mother, someone who's been around, remembers this guy Daniel and says, oh, call him. He's really, really smart. Skipping down to verse 18, Daniel comes in. He looks at the writing on the wall that nobody has been able to understand as of yet. And Daniel says, oh, king. The Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Daniel had seen all of this firsthand. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart... Became arrogant and hardened with pride. He was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. We remember that story. We studied it a few weeks ago. And ate grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself. Though you knew all this, indeed, it would have been a very famous story if your grandfather, the greatest king ever, had gone insane for a while and then repented and acknowledged the one true God. That would have been a famous story. But Belshazzar is pretending like it never happened. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven, for instance, drinking from holy goblets at your party, You had the goblets brought from his temple, brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank from them. You praised the gods of silver, of gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. That was a long prelude. Finally, Daniel gets to business. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. That word mene means uh, number or uh, a denomination of money. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Tekel was a unit of weight. It's the word from which we get shekel, uh, which is a, a hunk of money that appears in scripture Perez your kingdom is divided and giving to the Medes and Persians Perez if you're wondering is the uh, singular of parson uh, which is the plural and it simply means to divide your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians then at Belshazzar's command Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. <clears throat> a little more on that history in a second. For, uh, For years and years, this story about King Belshazzar and the writing on the wall was considered obviously mythical. It was considered fake because scholars of ancient Babylon did not know of a King Belshazzar um, Nebuchadnezzar they knew about. Uh, He was quite famous Uh, and they knew that Babylon was conquered by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes were sort of a tribute nation under the empire of Persia. Darius was a general under the king named Cyrus. Um, So they thought that the story was made up and then uh, eventually archeologists dug up this thing called the Nabonidus cylinder. And basically it was a chronicle of ancient Babylon etched into stone. And indeed they saw uh, that uh, Belshazzar was a, a real person and they got the full story of the fall of Babylon to the Medes and the Persians, uh, which uh, they knew happened. They just didn't know how it happened. Here's the story uh, that, they, that historians have discovered about the fall of Babylon. Babylon was considered an impregnable city. It had really, really thick walls. Uh, nobody could get through it. And so the Persian Empire, in cooperation with the Medes, set their army to lay siege. Babylon Babylon was beset with an army Uh, but they couldn't get through the gates and the king in Babylon who now we know is Belshazzar was just sitting tight waiting for them to starve and to go away and then uh, one night uh, during a festival in which the entire city was partying and getting drunk and distracted uh, the the Persian Mede, a general, diverted the flow of the river that went into Babylon, dried up the riverbed, and walked into the city through what's called the river gate, which is a little hole that they leave low in the wall to let water flow in. So he just walked in the gate by drying up the river. And that's the story. Everybody was inside partying, and the enemy army just walked in. Uh, When it started going down, probably what happened is Belshazzar's intimate court uh, killed him and then like carried his head to the conquering general and said, oh, you know, we're on your side. So that's probably why uh, Belshazzar was killed that very night. And lo and behold, we get exactly that story in the book of Daniel. Uh, Belshazzar is having this great party. He invited a thousand nobles. So like all the commanders of the army and stuff like that, they were partying and getting drunk during this festival when they should have been on the walls, making sure that the enemy army didn't, like, oh, divert a river and walk through the gate. And so it turned out that Daniel is is frighteningly accurate historically. Um, Go figure. The Bible knows what it's talking about. Uh, Here's a little tidbit just for fans of the Bible. Any fans of the Bible out there this morning? 150 years before the time of Daniel, uh, there was this prophet named Isaiah, and in, he wrote a long book in the Bible titled Isaiah. And in chapter 44 or 45, uh, he talks about the fall of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of Jerusalem and stuff like that. And he does it. He In, in it, he throws in some names that are really curious. Um, he's writing here. He says, Jerusalem will fall and be destroyed, the people will be taken uh, away, Uh, but then a new time will come, says the prophet. And I'm reading here from Isaiah chapter 44, then uh, Jerusalem shall be re-inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, the Lord says, they shall be rebuilt, and of their ruins I will restore them. The Lord who says to the watery deep, be dry and I will dry up your rivers. Who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I, all that I please. The Lord will say of Jerusalem, let it be, be rebuilt and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so that the gates will not be shut. What makes this prophecy from Isaiah really interesting is that it's a prophecy about this man named Cyrus. It turns out that Cyrus was the Persian king who worked with Darius to conquer the city of Babylon. But the prophecy of Isaiah was written down 150 years before that event. So Isaiah was prophesying by name a king who would not come to be king until over a century after he wrote. And he knew that king would be named Cyrus. And he knew that Cyrus, if you read it, would play a role in restoring Jerusalem after it had been ruined. And indeed, Cyrus is the king that gave the order for the uh, the Jewish captives in Babylon to leave and go resettle Jerusalem. Isaiah saw all of that. What's really interesting about this story is uh, the Lord is talking to his anointed Cyrus, and he says, uh, Well, he says a couple things. It says that the Lord is able to dry up rivers, and he says that Cyrus will uh, subdue a nation and strip a king of armor because the gates will not be shut. So Isaiah prophesied the manner of the fall of Babylon. The river would dry up, the gates would be open, and Cyrus would subdue nations beforehand. Isn't that cool? That's just a little tidbit from me to you, one Bible fan to another. People who don't respect Scripture have probably never studied it, because this is freaky good. These prophecies are freaky accurate uh, and sort of incontrovertible in their predictive quality but the story the story here is really about the writing on the wall this is the iconic symbol Belshazzar is partying the city is surrounded by an enemy but he's throwing a party he just doesn't get it he just doesn't see what's happening around him and so God sends a hand writes on the wall and still he can't see it he's blinded to what it means and we don't know why he can't quite understand it If it was written in a language, he didn't know. But Daniel comes in and he reads it, no problem. And then he interprets it symbolically. Many, many, tekel, parson. Numbers, numbers, weights, division. And Daniel knows what it means. The Lord gives him uh, the accurate interpretation. We have adopted that phrase, the writing on the wall, into our vernacular these days. And usually when people say it they're like you just don't see the writing on the wall you know the writing was on the wall you know you should have seen it i just want to point out in the story everybody could see the writing on the wall right the point of the phrase writing on the wall is that it's obvious everybody can see it but no one understood it is the problem it's right there in front of you but you just don't understand what you're looking at. And sometimes life is like that, isn't it? Everyone could see, no one could get it. No one understood it. So, you know, have you ever had one of those times uh, in life in which you're like, I don't know, you're struggling with a problem. You had difficult circumstances. And then you were talking with a friend and you were like, I don't know what's going on, and your friend was like, what do you mean? You don't know what's going on. This is what's going on. Don't be stupid. Have you ever had one of those conversations? Or is it just me? Right, like you were too close to the problem or something, but it was obvious to everyone else what the reality was? I think about those situations when I read this story. Um, The obvious situation around Belshazzar, I should say it this way, Belshazzar's situation should have been obvious, right? He's throwing a party, honoring a bunch of false gods, desecrating the temple vessels of the one true God whom his great predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had told him to make sure to honor. Like, he's doing everything wrong. He should have known trouble was brewing. But he didn't see the writing on the wall, which is to say he didn't understand what was right in front of him. I think there are, I don't know, I think there are things happening in the world right now, I think there are things happening in the nation right now that have that writing on the wall sort of quality to them. It's like, am I am I the only one who gets this, right? Nobody's acting like, like I think they should act, not that I'm the wisest person in the world, but it's been a very strange time and people are having all sorts of weird reactions. I think pretty soon we'll be able to look back on 2020, 2021 and, and say stuff like, gosh, you know, we should have seen that coming. Um, you know, the, the enemy was at the gate uh, and we just pretended as if there were no threat. Um, but let's not talk about that today. Uh, let's make it a little more personal because there might be things in your life right now that are stacking up you know, circumstances that are kind of besetting you. And you might be on the cusp of a massive change. Um, And you kind of sense it, but you don't quite get it. All right, so if you're in that sort of situation or if you feel you might be in that sort of situation, then the story from Daniel chapter 5 might be a good one for you, right? You might feel that, you know your circumstances are really bad but it might also be that the change that's coming is really really good but the feeling you might have is this feeling of god is 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 trying to tell me something but i just don't quite get it some clues you might be in that situation you might be experiencing this sort of disjointedness between your experience and your circumstances. I mean, that was totally happening in Belshazzar's story, right? He was throwing a party and just having a great old time while an enemy army surrounded his city and things were really dire. There was sort of this disjointedness. And sometimes in life, you can can sense that. It's like, your circumstances are really bad, but you're not doing anything about it. Or maybe, gosh, your circumstances and opportunities seem pretty good, but you don't feel right about it. A disjointedness. get it? So that's sometimes a clue that maybe God wants to tell you something, but you're not quite getting it. Word to the wise, that's one. Another thing that might be a clue to God trying to tell you something, but you're not getting it, is a disjointedness between your expectations of life And what we know to be true of God's nature. God wants to bless you. But God also has a certain way that he does things. Right? We know that God wants to bless you. Maybe you feel that he doesn't. You know, maybe you feel that it's his will that you get stuck in life. That you just kind of have a dead end sort of life. Sometimes I felt like that. Well, that's a that's a disconnection, right? There's a disjointedness there. And if that's you, then I can pretty much guarantee you that God is trying to tell you something that you're just not getting. Um, or maybe you know God's ways, you walk with the Lord, but you're living in a fashion that doesn't really expect goodness to come from God's ways. So maybe you're not honoring them so much. Maybe you're You've gotten involved in situations that are not particularly godly, particularly moral, particularly healthy, and you know it. Disconnection. If that's you, then I can pretty much guarantee you that God's trying to tell you something, but you're just not quite getting it. All sorts of situations like that where there's sort of a disjointedness, and when that happens, you know, the Lord is a good shepherd. And there might be some writing on the wall for you. Anyway, if you're in a place like this where you feel like, oh, I think there's just something I'm not quite getting, or you feel a little disjointed in life in a fashion, um, what should you do to get to a place of understanding? Um, And ultimately, that's where Belshazzar got in the story, right? He was confronted with a frightening situation he was confronting with a couple frightening situations but the one that really freaked him out was disembodied fingers writing on the wall okay I get that and he didn't know what to do he called in the people that he could think of they didn't know what to do and then finally mom comes in or may well have been grandma walks in and says why don't you talk to somebody who's smarter than you are there's this guy Daniel back in the day Everybody knew that Daniel was the man. Everybody knew that he was smart and that he could understand things. You know, uh, he had some sort of Holy Spirit about him. You know, let's, let's call him. Get to a place of understanding. Thank goodness for grandmas. I don't know if that's a biblical principle, but it, let's just say it is. Um, what was Belshazzar doing wrong that was keeping him from seeing the obvious is probably a better way to ask that question. Uh, Number one, um, he was a pretty prideful fellow. Uh, This is what Daniel calls out. He needed to sacrifice his pride. He needed to learn to humble himself like his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had done, to humble himself before the Lord. But practically what it amounts to is he needed to give up his idols, didn't he? He had literal idols, gods of gold and stone and wood that he was worshiping on the night when God put the writing on the wall. One imagines that he also had a status idol. He just loved being king and he thought a king always needed to be grandiose and in control. And above it all, he was partying with his nobles when he should have been leading his nobles. You know, that's someone who's more concerned with status than with effectiveness. Um, idols always blind you to the obvious in life our idols always blind us to the obvious things of God you probably do not have an idol of gold you might have an idol of you know, money or wealth or something like that you probably don't have an idol of the god of stone but you might have Emotional idols concerning things that make you feel stable and secure. You know, what, what are your idols? What are the things that you're unwilling to let go of that in the end just blind you to the obvious things of God? I don't know. Sometimes they seem relatively innocent. They might be plans that you have that you're holding on to that God doesn't want you to hold on to. They might be dreams that you're cherishing in your heart, that God wants to replace with better dreams uh, in in your heart. It might be some position that you have in life, I don't know, in your career, in in your social circles, in your relationships, or something like that, um, that you've gotten wrapped up in, but God has something better for you. Whatever we turn into an idol tends to blind us. And God will help you recognize what those things are if you just ask him. And if not God, I don't know, talk to a wise friend and say something like, feels like there's something I'm not quite getting in life. Do you see anything that might be an idol for me? Do you see any way in which I'm holding on to something that I shouldn't be? You get it? Idols. Bad. Go ahead and write that down. Uh, what else should you do to come to a place of understanding Uh, I'm just going to put it this way seek wisdom there you go seek wisdom snaps for wisdom I think I think wisdom is underrated I think in our culture we really undervalue wisdom and we really overvalue things like inspiration um Not that inspiration is bad, but it's old, reliable wisdom, you know, the old Daniels, right? The guys who have been around the block, you know, the old ways of the Lord tried and true, the old lessons that just never go away, you know, that have to be dragged out of the closet every once in a while. Wisdom sometimes feels like that. Wisdom feels like a dusty old uncle. But really what wisdom is, it's like, it's a timeless, shiny angel that consistently guides us to power and forms of prosperity. So seek wisdom. Now that sounds unhelpfully general because if I say seek wisdom, no one's gonna say, no, wisdom is bad, right? I mean, obviously we all wanna be wise people, right? Rolo? Yes. I'm just checking, I'm just checking. We all want to be wise people. But think about this a little bit. Think about it. When you are faced with trouble, do you ask yourself, okay, what would be the wisest way to do things right now? Is that what you say to yourself? Or do you say to yourself, what's wrong? What is God doing? You know, well, Which one do you do? Now, you guys are really good Christians, so you probably seek wisdom. Uh, I'm not a very good Christian. Uh, I usually freak out. But try that if you're in one of those times where you feel like there's something going on in life that I'm not getting. Simply do this. Say to yourself, what would be the wise things to do right now? And then do those things. I mean, it sounds really, really simple. But a lot of trouble in life would be avoided if we just said, all right, I don't know exactly what's going on right now, but what would be the wise things for me to do right now? Tons of trouble would be avoided. Lots of solutions would be generated if people would learn to do simply that. Because wisdom tends to be apparent, even if the future is not. You can almost always figure out a wise thing to do, even if you can't figure out the exact right thing to do. You you see the difference? Almost everybody can figure out a wise thing to do in a given moment. If you can't, talk to someone who is wise. Maybe you know someone who is smarter than you are. Or at least someone who comes with a good idea, a good insight every once in a while. We have tons of those people around Blue Water Mission. And just say, you got any wisdom for me right now? The wisdom might not be a magic ingredient, but it will be a helpful ingredient. You know That word magic, by the way, comes from the word magi, which means wise man. Wisdom can be magic. Just so you know, it sounds so simple. I know it sounds ridiculously simple. But try it. The Bible says wisdom is more precious than silver. Um, Was it really wise for Belshazzar to call the whole city to a huge party when surrounded by a whole bunch of people who wanted to kill them? That was not wise. Now, here's the interesting. It, It might have seemed justifiable. It's like, look, we're under a lot of pressure. You know what we need to do we need to honor the old traditions we need to have our religious festival and we need to relax you know because relaxation and indulgence is like good medicine every once in a while right so it might have seemed justifiable but it was not wise and oh my gosh that is an important distinction in life there are things that are justifiable that are not wise. We need, to, we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware of this. And a wise person is the person that figures out which is which. All right. It's been an unusual year. Uh, I'm preaching on one of the final days of uh, 2020. This is, what is this, December 30th as we film. By the time you watch this sermon, it's going to be 2021. 2021. 2020 will be behind you. Or as we like to say, hindsight is 2020. Hey. Did it? 20 hindsight?
1: 2020 hindsight. So good.
0: I've been waiting for three decades to be able to use that pun. There you have it. Take a moment and appreciate. It won't happen again. Ever. In human history. Hindsight is now 2020. Uh, I'm sorry, where was I? All right, it's been an unusual year. 2020 was an unusual year. 2021 is going to be an unusual year. The writing is on the wall. That's just how it is, people. It will not be normal for a long time in life. The writing is on the wall. How do you want to play that? How do you want to play it? Because there are lots of justifiable ways to play it right what would be the wise way to play it do you want to play it passively do you just want to see just want to go with the flow do you want to be avoidant do you want to party with the nobles uh, and just pretend like oh everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine or do you want to be aware and wise and to understand the writing on the wall it's a it's the new year and even under normal circumstances The new year is a great time to take stock of things, right? To make fresh decisions, to take inventory, uh, to make resolutions. We all know that I'm a big fan of new year's resolutions. Uh, This would be a great year to make very wise resolutions. To really, you know, be a little bit bit sober and, and extra conscientious about the way that you think of making changes in your life. Maybe you need to be a little more changeful and a little more ruthless about priorities and routines in 2021. Because the times are chaotic and fluid, maybe you need to be a little more disciplined. Maybe you need to think about changes that you can make right now, positive changes, because there are so many changes that we're not allowed to make right now, we can't make right now due to the strange circumstances that we're living in. I don't know exactly what answers there are for your life or what opportunities there may be in your life, I'm just suggesting this is a great time to consider and to seek wisdom on it, both traditionally because it's New Year's and situationally because the times are just crazy. We are beset with situations of all different kinds, health situations, financial situations, vocational situations, social situations. Anyway, for your consideration pick stock a godly person who is wise transcends all seasons of life that's a mark of wisdom a person who is dedicated to wisdom is wise always even when uninspired even when confused even when beset wisdom never fails It can always be invited into the hall to speak to the assembly, and it will always know what to say. Seek out wisdom so that you can understand the obvious things of God that you sense are there, even if you're not understanding them. The message for today. Uh, Father God, I do pray for the gift of wisdom, for the spirit of wisdom, for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray, Lord, though we might be confused, we would nonetheless be wise. I pray, Lord, that though we might be beset, we would nonetheless be wise. I pray, Lord, that though we might be frightened, pale of face and knocking of knees, that we would nonetheless be wise. And I pray, Lord, that through your wisdom you would carry us to safe places. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Hi, Blue Water. Hey. Happy New Year. What a significant first sermon for 2021. Yeah, one thing that uh, we're so thankful for in this past year of going through tough times is having our Blue Water community. We're so thankful for all of you, and we're excited for what this new year has in store for our community together. Uh, if anyone out there needs some prayer, if you would love to encounter God's peace and wisdom today, we have a team of prayer warriors that would love to pray with you. Like we said in the announcements, just email Julie at Blue Water Mission and someone is gonna reach out to you and encounter God with you together. In Colossians 3, it says, that we should set our minds and our hearts on things of above, specifically where Christ is seated next to the right hand of God. And we're really believing that we'll be able to tap into the plans that God has for us this year because we know that they're for us to prosper. And so we, uh, together as a community, are just going to tap into what He has for us to set our minds on His things and see His plans come forth. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Happy New Year. Bye.